0: Hello, this is Jayden Sancho, you're listening to Yellow Wool Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 280 of The Yellow Wall I'm your host Stefan Bozko for the uh, season finale episode, if you will. Uh, a lot of things concluded this last weekend was Game of Thrones and of course Borussia Dortmund season also over, done and dusted second place. And um, yeah, we waited a little bit so we could also come out with a couple of good news and good things to talk about because there are a couple of transfers to rattle through today. As Borussia Dortmund, we're very busy here with me to discuss all that. Is uh, the wonderful Konstantin Egner? Hello, Konstantin, how are you doing? Hello,
1: wonderful Stefan. I'm fine.
0: How are you? <laughs> very well, thank you. And also the uh, magnificent Lars Poemann. Hello, Lars. How are you? Uh, fine, I guess. <laughs> Alright, so um first things first, Lars, uh how uh gutted, disappointed or whatever were you at the end with Dortmund only finishing two points behind Bayern? Oh
2: I thought you were going to go with uh how gutted were you
0: with the Game of Thrones finale?
2: <laughs> um i
0: mean i i i think i i know all about your feelings about that but if you want to discuss game of thrones go ahead no i, I, mean, I really don't it, it doesn't deserve any airtime on our <laughs> podcast anymore all i all i say all i would say is that i think aaron Rodgers absolutely nailed it in this rant so if you want to look that up go ahead uh anyway uh as for dortmund
2: seeing as i was thoroughly expecting a dropping of frankfurt's at the hands of bayern I really didn't uh, go into the match day with any kind of expectation of it even becoming, you know, exciting for Dortmund fans. So uh, Bayern arguably took longer than I expected uh, for them to put the game away. So there was this brief moment after Sebastien Allaire scored the the equalizer at Munich. Uh, I think there were like five or six minutes where, you know, that, that sensation seemed on the cards, but generally speaking i don't think i ever really got the feeling uh, that that something magical was in the air if you like from a dortmund's perspective so not particularly disappointed at the end of the season uh, also because um, we could kind of see dortmund slipping away or, or the title slipping away from from dortmund for number of weeks and games it's not like uh, they lost it at the death so uh, from from that perspective I'm I'm fine with how things shook out at the end I guess
0: yeah yeah I I mean I think I even predicted Bayern's uh, 5-1 win to be honest and I just like you wasn't really expecting much and I, I watched the Bayern game on, on like the second screen and uh, yeah I would completely agree that there was never really much of an upset of Frankfurt in the air so uh, I just basically tried to enjoy the uh, final minutes of Dortmund season and uh, I mean it was a nice tuner win Konstantin though if you look back at the entire season um, would you rate it as a success with 76 points at the end yes
1: of course um, point wise and also performance wise for most of the season uh, pretty much a success because you usually forget um how it felt when Dortmund started the season, or when when they uh, went into summer preparation or preseason preparation um, in summer. Um, not many, or only a few people, were expecting uh, Dortmund to you know, challenge Bayern for the title. Um, so yeah, it's
0: especially after that scoreless draw against Hanover, <laughs> if you remember. Sure.
1: Um, also, also, I mean, I tried to, you know. Um, Take it with me from from the first match day, uh, predicting that Dortmund would win the title. Well, I was wrong at the end, but um, there was I was I was expecting
0: not too far off. No, not no, but off. I was
1: expecting uh, Dortmund as a contender because uh, how weak Bayern looked early on and how basically still you know not that improved actually, um, but it was enough for them to still get uh, 78 points and which tells you more about the Bundesliga or the quality of the Bundesliga at this stage um, than about Bayern, I think, and about Dortmund, but still um, Dortmund is, is clearly the number two in German football again, uh, which is losing for first uh, success, I guess, with the team. Um, when you look at the, the bigger picture um, and yeah, we will discuss transfers and, and signings and, and all this stuff and, um, Maybe it was his best shot far I don't. I don't know. Um, sometimes he drops. He drops a little bit after after first season, after two seasons. or So it is, you know, consistency is not on his side at at all times. So we'll see. Um, on the other hand, uh, we would have thought that Far would come in and um, immediately um, form a team that's that's able to challenge Bayern. I mean, just you know, just uh, when you look at the overall story here. Um, neglecting the everything that's that's went that went on, neglecting the coverage situation and everything. Um, still, I mean, when you look just at that, um, it's pretty, pretty, um, it feels pretty, pretty good for the Dortmund fans, I guess. As for the last match day and the, you know, the deciding matches, personally, I watched it with a couple of uh Frankfurt fans because I was in Frankfurt. Um, and they, and they were cheering at the end because uh, Hoffenheim lost. So that's how Frankfurt fans felt. Um, they weren't even faced by the fact that their team got pretty much stomped uh, on by Bayern, um, which was of course a bit disappointing. Um, because personally, I thought that uh, the, the last two match days with uh, Bayern playing at Leipzig and then uh, at home against Frankfurt, you would see Bayern dropping uh, at least three points, but. Um, at the end, it didn't happen. So a little bit disappointing from that standpoint, I guess, because Frankfurt looked uh, pretty destructive over, over, the course of, over the course of most of the season. But at the end, uh, not so much. That pretty much, um, you know, there were signs <laughs> uh, when they when they uh, got destroyed by Leverkusen a couple of weeks ago, or a few weeks ago.
0: Yeah, I, I think Bayern were pretty lucky by uh, the fact that they faced Frankfurt twice when they were extremely fatigued. Um, maybe in, uh, different stages of the season, Frankfurt could have, uh, dealt a bitter blow to Bayern, but, uh, it wasn't to come. Um, last quickly back to the, uh, 2-0 win over Gladbach. Um, uh, first in the, um, I think 45th minute or whatever, uh, there was a bit of controversy because of, uh, Dortmund's open- opener scored by Jaden Sancho because, uh, people weren't exactly sure whether the ball was over the line or not. Um I think the refs uh, after reviewing it made the correct call. What's your opinion on that? Well, uh
2: first of all immediately after the situation went down, I was like mm, that that looked out to me and the the first replay also looked out to me, but obviously the the law of the game says that the entirety of the ball has to be out and uh, you know the ball being a round shape uh, means that Parts of it will be out, while others in the air, which isn't really something you see in a still picture, unless you have the the bird's eye view, if you like. Uh, I mean, given the fact that they don't have that view on the ball, and there's no you know chip in the ball for for these kinds of situations, and you can't use goal line technology for decisions whether the ball was out or not uh, outside of the goal. I mean, uh, if there's a sliver of doubt. Uh, you kind of have to stay with whatever the call was that's not only a a, a rule in the NFL and college football but also uh, in in modern soccer with uh, VAR reviews so to me this was the perfectly fine decision with the pictures we were given and my assumption is that the referee had the same pictures so from from that perspective it made perfect sense to stick with the initial call and and that was keeping the ball in
0: play Alright, so Lars, how happy were you overall with the performance? I thought Dortmund looked pretty mature. Um, what did you make of uh, Dortmund's uh, final game of the season where they definitely had to win to re- retain a chance at least?
2: Well, to me, they didn't really look like they were trying to definitely win, uh, much like uh, the first 30 odd minutes uh, or however many it were actually against uh, Dusseldorf the week before. Uh, I didn't really sense that kind of urgency that you would expect out of a team that needs to win both of these games to have a fighting chance. Uh, But then again, you can also argue and and you just said mature uh, about that performance. I guess that that also counts that they stayed calm, that they didn't go uh, all guns blazing. And, and, you know, uh, this is what seeing as they had to win, they also really needed to not concede the first goal and they came close to conceding with that, great shot of uh, Ibrahima Traore from like 20 yards or so Uh, might have been a bit more Um, but other than that they didn't really grant Gladbach too many clear-cut scoring chances so I guess what what I negatively describe as a lack of urgency might also be positively described as staying calm and mature and waiting for that opening, which is pretty much classic Favre which we just haven't seen too much of at times this season when Dortmund were really good and, uh, you know, running over opponents, basically.
0: Yes, uh, though I gotta say, I will, was a little bit flabbergasted um, by the performance of Gladbach because um, they... You know, with a win, I don't know if, if they would have sealed the Champions League. No, it de- depended dep- on dep- dep- on goal difference versus
2: Leverkusen. So Leverkusen uh, beat uh, Hertha by f- four goals or with a difference of four goals. So a 1-0 victory wouldn't have been enough
0: for Gladbach, as I understand it. So, uh, I mean... Yeah, but be that as it may, they had also something to play for and it did not really look like there was anything that Gladbach really tried to... You know, they never really... Quote unquote through the kitchen sink at Dortmund at any given moment of the game, so um, yeah, I don't know, uh, but also don't want to uh, waste too much time about uh, Gladbach's performance, to be honest. Um, I think the best news came uh, actually from the Bayern game, uh, which is that fucking Frank Ribéry and dumbass Iron Robben, <laughs> although privately I actually like him just as a sportsman sometimes, uh, so I-, I-, I don't, it's the opposite with the Ribury, um. Uh, yeah, they they are finally gone and have retired. So uh, this is, I think, the best news. Uh, but yeah, that's all I'm going to say on that subject. If uh, anyone else wants to pile on, be my guest.
1: I was a little confused by your statement about yeah. who, who you like <laughs> as a sportsman and who you like as a personality. So I guess you, you, you like Iron um, Rom as a personality, but not as a sportsman. But the reverse would mean you like whoever he is a sportsman. A little
0: bit, yeah. I, w- I was hoping for that being completely unnoticed. There it didn't make sense at all. Yeah, because I thought
1: in your view, Webbery uh, is unlikable in all regards.
0: Correct, correct. Right. Yeah, I just, I just said it so you could correct me, so it could be pointed out even more. So, um, so that's that was my oh, initial. Okay, plan. that's, that's uh, fair enough.
1: Of course. Um, so, so I, I guess, I guess what is interesting is that for years, Webbery. Uh, uh terrorized um Fultman and all the other teams but you know now they are fading into the background in a season where they were pretty much irrelevant for but not irrelevant but not relevant well <laughs> at, at, at that much uh, especially <laughs> I because of injuries Reverie uh, in some on uh, some occasions was still you know um valuable um weapon on, on on the left wing especially uh, but it's just you see that these kinds of retirements or um goodbye seasons are often marked by you know insignificance and uh same for marcel schmelzer because if you if you think <laughs> wow yeah well if you think about um the two on wingers you have also think you have also to think about the uh, two dortmund fullbacks who you know were on the other side for many many years, um, and uh, Iron Robben and, and, and Moser Schmelzer fought out some some pretty pretty interesting, pretty decent battles over the years. Um, not not all, with not always uh, Robin winning, um, which we should keep in mind when we um, basically judge the career of one Moser Schmelzer.
0: Yeah, I think he now has two hundred fifty one Bundesliga caps. Um, Lars, I don't know if you saw the celebration with him, uh, in, in front of the away fans after the game in Gladbach. Um, do you think that he will leave? I'm not exactly sure on that yet, but, uh, you know, there, there have been talks about him, you know, mulling over a move away from, uh, Lucien Favreau, who has not really, uh, wanted to utilize him at all in the, you know, season, I
2: guess. Yeah, it certainly, uh, was, Peculiar that uh, they framed him with uh, Christian Pulisic, who we all know did play his last game for Dortmund. And they were, uh, for example, on on uh, BVB uh, on BVB's Twitter account, there was uh, the, this picture of them in front of the away fans. Which looks kind of ominous if you want to read into these things, but obviously the the admin of BVB's Twitter account probably doesn't know too far in advance whether or not uh, Schmelzer wants to leave the club. Uh, I I think there it, it would make sense for him uh, if he found a club that was willing to take him, which I'm not so sure is going to happen because he's. I mean, basically, he spent his entire career uh, or professional career at Dortmund so far. I think he must have signed three or four contracts at Dortmund. So you can kind of imagine the kinds of wages he's on. And let's face it, he's uh, always been a player that's been more valuable to Dortmund than anyone else, as evidenced by his lack of an international career with Germany, which is not only because Jogi Löw doesn't have a clue even though that didn't really help uh, his cause. So, I mean, I I guess there's a lot of clubs that would say, yeah, if if he were on the cheap, let's take him. But, you know, a a player who's been a regular starter for Dortmund for basically a decade is not going to come cheap. So I don't really see much of a market for him. I think there was way back when there were some... uh, rumblings that he might want to finish his career at Magdeburg which is uh, his birth city Uh, and they used to be in the second division but they were just relegated to the third division and I mean he's not old enough to basically go play for fun uh, in the third division he's not uh, that kind of player uh, just yet so i think he's probably going to stay around and be a great locker room influence and hope to win back some trust of Farfus or wait uh, out until he's gone
0: <laughs> yeah i personally want master Schmelzer to stay because i don't think that uh, dortmund can just quite uh Manage without him on in the long run. I I still think that he is too valuable for this team to uh, let him go this summer. But uh, obviously, I'm not in the Dortmund front office, so I don't know what uh, the plans are for Marcel Schmelzer. I also don't know what Marcel Schmelzer is planning. Um, we know that Nuri Shine reinvigorated his career to some extent at Werder Bremen, and we all know that uh, Nuri Shine and Marcel Schmelzer are close. So maybe uh, when um, Marcel Schmetzer contemplates the move and and talks it through with Nuri Shine uh you know shine might argue in the favor of of a move as well i don't know how much that plays a role and uh, of course uh i would uh, not leave this discussion without asking Konstantin about his opinion about his favorite player ever ever my favorite
1: <laughs> i don't know about that but um, yeah, that's that's
0: why can't you just go along with it? All right, okay, it's right. a favorite
1: player ever, like above everyone else, above <laughs> you know, all, all the hours Uh, Maradona, Johan, Johan Korf, you can stick it. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I guess you could keep him around, uh, but it, it seemed that Father wasn't really, wasn't even like thinking or considering him as like the number two option at left back which is, of course, which makes the entire situation uh, even more severe for, for Schmelzer, because if you if you would say, all right, uh, Schmelzer is the, is the number two at left-back behind Nico Schulz, um, and maybe Hakimi, but Hakimi is more of a right-back, then then there's still you know so, some use for Schmelzer, and maybe Schmelzer would accept his new role as a backup uh, at left-back, which would mean he would maybe play uh, 10, 12 matches or so next season, um, which is
0: I mean, we all know how, how prone to injury Dortmund fullbacks are. So if I wish married, so Schmelzer, that's something at least you can bank. Yeah, for. but but
1: the, the thing is, if he, I mean, like there were there were situations this season where, I mean, the exactly the, yeah, there was the, Dortmund was in need of a left back, and like uh, Fafa tried every every alternative before he uh, before you or he even thought about using Schmelzer. I mean, he tried you know Diallo and Hakimi and. Um, but then Guerrero at the end, uh, and, and it's not it's not Guerrero's position. I mean, you could, can clearly see that, or it's not his like best position. Um, and before, of course, um, um, you know also yeah Hakimi I already mentioned uh, before his injury, and so and then there you know there were situations where Schmelz was on the bench, and uh, then Paul Larsen came in or something, yeah, you know, um, as 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 the option on on the left side. So. Um, it's a little bit, it's a little bit strange, I guess. Uh, so there, as Lars mentioned, I mean, there are, I guess, two options. There, there were two options, uh, when you have, when you were asked me a couple of weeks ago, because back then Magdeburg was still, um, in the race for, uh, in the, in the relegation battle, um, in the second, in the second division, because I could have seen Schmelzer going back to Magdeburg for one or two seasons, um, But that was the only season uh, only season for Magdeburg in the second uh, second Bundesliga and they are already uh, back in the third division so I don't think he will move down to the third division Uh, but you know he he could have been someone like I know Jonas Hector and others you know who who go to or at a club uh, below their level but because it's something you know more of an an emotional uh, relationship than um yeah, he would do that, but I, I don't think he will go to Magdeburg right now. Um, so, and for our like Bundesliga clubs, I don't really know. I don't maybe something like Stuttgart also, but they have left back, so um, something like that. Maybe Werder Bremen if Augustinsson uh, leaves or so. but I don't. I don't really see a club right now trusting Schmelzer to an extent where they say, all right, he's our number one left back. Um, I don't really see that right now because what, what what's what's interesting about the entire Schmelzer career is that for many 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 years, like like I don't know fifty percent of the of the entire league uh, for or more you know the majority thought like like that Schmelzer is uh, an average left back, but he played game after game. For the number two in the league, you know, or when Dortmund was winning titles, or was at least challenging Bayern, or was you know uh, having great Champions League campaigns, Schmelzer was playing as a left back. Um, but if you would have asked some someone from Gladbach or from I don't know Stuttgart, if uh, Schmelzer would be their number one left back in that t- in, in a certain at a certain point, uh, they would have they would probably have said no. Um, so that's that's interesting, you know. Um, it's just uh, I, I know that it's there's nothing really comparable to that, I guess. Um, that you know someone is playing for a top tier
0: club, but is not really in contention for for uh, mid table clubs. Uh, you... Funny thing is uh, that throughout <laughs> almost of his career, Marcel Schmetzer always said that you know people always thought that. This was going to be his, uh, you know, last year as a starter because there were other players coming in, and he always prevailed. And uh, finally, when I thought that he sort of cemented his position as left back, then uh, that was sort of the season where he uh, lost his status. So, um yeah, uh, interesting. And I think we can also um leave it here in segue now into the new transfers, uh, Dortmund. I think announced yesterday on on, on Tuesday already the signing of uh, Nico Schulz. Um, 26 years old, he signed a five-year contract coming in for $27 million from TSG Hoffenheim. Uh, he made his debut for Hertha Berlin, I think in 2011, and then 2016-17 uh, he played for Gladbach and uh, things did not work out so great there. And two years later, he moved to Hoffenheim. And after these two years, under julian Nagelsmann, things went a little bit better, uh, incidentally, Schulz played under Favre for uh, five games. That was uh, the season where Lucie Favre rage quitted after five straight losses. So um yeah, they sort of know each other. I don't know if that's uh, an ominous sign <laughs> for for the next season. Um, but yeah, like Schmelzer, uh, Schulz also doesn't score a lot of goals. In 122 Bundesliga games, he only scored uh, four goals, and also he has eight UCL and uh, six Europa League caps. Um, so there's that. And yeah, I think Hans-Joachim Watzke is very excited about that transfer because he uh, said that uh, with Scholz and Hakimi, uh, Dortmund might have the two most athletic fullbacks in the Bundesliga. And uh, Scholz himself said that uh, under Nagelsmann, his tactical understanding matured quite a bit and uh, that Dortmund's style fits him quite well. And uh, he thinks that uh, he can help the club and that together they can achieve great things. Yada, yada. So, um, top-line reaction, Lars, about this transfer? Does it make sense? Does it not make sense? How happy are you with it? Would you expect it better?
2: Well, I will preface this with saying that my dream signing would have been Jérôme Roussillon of uh, Wolfsburg. But, you know, I, I think to some extent, actually, they are somewhat similar players. Uh, and maybe the novelty factor of a, a younger player coming in from France takes precedence in my mind over Nico Schulz, just because, uh, quite frankly, he used to be quite bad, uh, in my opinion. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he he used to be just a straight-line sprinter kind of guy, uh, thriving solely on athleticism, which still is, I mean, uh, his calling card, but he's added so much to his game at Hoffenheim, which... Uh, I think I certainly didn't, and, and I'm feeling quite confident in saying that most of us didn't really expect him to be able to improve upon in terms of his overall game. So he's definitely a player that is good enough for the upper echelon of the Bundesliga. He's been, uh, if you look at you know underlying numbers, like his expected assists uh, stat is uh over ten this past season, which is a very high number for a fullback. I think uh, only Joshua Kimmich has a higher uh, expected assists rank uh, in the Bundesliga in terms of fullbacks, and and he's obviously a machine for Bayern. Uh, Schultz actually had more expected assists than Jaden Sancho, who led the league in assists. So, I mean, there's also, it goes to show how variance, uh, is important in, in that context. I
0: mean, Hoffenheim were quite famous for squandering goal opportunities yeah. this last season. Yeah. I mean,
2: uh, in, in terms of their attacking displays, I think there's little argument that Hoffenheim arguably deserved to come in at least fifth if not fourth in the Bundesliga but because they failed to close down games even worse than Dortmund and had a and had a worse defense uh, that that didn't come to fruition but coming back to Schulz um, I think it's uh, as I said he, he improved so much that he's certainly a player that should be capable to help Dortmund but uh, to me, the, the big question is whether or not his strengths aren't kind of wasted if Dortmund keep continuing to play in a back four, which he doesn't really do much uh, of. I mean, at Hoffenheim, they pretty much always play with a back three. So he's been uh, a wing back more than a fullback. And, you know, with... Uh, the the difference in playing styles. I I'm, I think there's uh, an opportunity there or uh, the, the chance there that his considerable talents aren't really put to the best use if he were to play just as a regular left-back. So I'm still wondering whether we might not see at least as an alternative uh, a, a system with a back three from time to time, at least next season. Because also, as we will probably talk about later, that would allow them to add perhaps a midfielder because that's kind of crowded now too.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure we will come to that. Um, but first, Constantine, I actually will pass this question on because I agree with Lars. I do think that um, Nico Schulz is maybe a little bit better as a wing back than as a fullback. And uh, what I also would say is that Julian Nagelsmann managed to utilize him in a way that no other coach did. And actually, you know, found always a way, I think, from you know, the second build up phase in midfield with a diagonal ball right into the space, um, to, for Nico Schulz to run in. This is sort of a signature move of Hoffenheim that they utilized over two years and, you know, really highlighted the strength. And I do wonder if Lucien Favre can do the same. So, um, yeah, do you think this means? This transfer means that Dortmund are eyeing to play with the back three more often well, next year. No, not
1: really. Um, no, won't happen, I guess, uh, because uh, pretty much there are not even enough uh, capable centre backs uh, to play um, to play the back three, I guess. Um, also, you would take away one midfielder if you play a back three, um, and I mean they just signed enough um, to you know to just play midfielders. Oh, well attacking midfielders um but uh, kidding aside um yeah of course hoffenheim only played 11 matches this season with a back four and all the other matches with a back three um but also chose played a couple of matches as left back um instead of left wing back um what i see what what i see is a more realistic uh, scenario is that uh you are point who recently or in the past few weeks and months under Peter Bosch, uh, played more in the central attacking midfield role. We'll go back to the left winger role, uh, but we'll move to the, to the inside, uh, to the center quite frequently. We'll open up for um, Nico Schulz, who will make these uh, deep ones a lot. Um, so, you know, if you've got someone who's as athletic um, as Schulz, as athletic as Hakimi, but Hakimi is more of a wild card often enough. Uh, in terms of, you know, these ones, um, Schulz, I guess, can assess the, the risk. he has to take he takes uh, far better than Hakimi. Um, um, then uh, the, that could work out, actually. And also, if the um, center midfielder pairing um, stays the same, meaning Witzland and Delaney, um, you, could, you could see in the past few weeks that Delaney often plays the left-sided center midfielder. Uh, which is which is quite fitting because he could truck behind uh, Schultz and give some protection um, because he's not that useful, you know, moving forward in, build, in, in the uh, sector build-up phase. I mean, it's here and there for counter-pressing, yes, but also uh, pretty much, you know, truck behind uh, Schultz when Schultz is just bumping down the lane uh, while Point is then um, playing as a second number 10 next to Marco Reus. yeah.
0: I, I don't I don't know. It's it's interesting to me also in in a sense that I think we are yet to see whether uh, Nico Schulz really can play on that high Champions League level or whether uh, um, he's a little bit below it. I I think this is just a step up he, he needs to make now um, out of his uh, Hoffenheim uh, sphere. Last I don't know how much you've seen um, of him in the uh, German national team. One game he has six. Yeah, he has six caps. I think his debut was in like September 2018 or so. Um, he, I mean, he scored two goals, one against the Netherlands. Was it, wasn't it the winner or so? Yep. Um, anything you can take away from that one game you saw? Because I don't really remember much of him playing for the uh, German national team, to be honest.
2: I only saw the game, uh, in the Netherlands where he did score the uh, winning goal with his weaker right foot uh, from a Marco Reus assist. So if we were to take away anything, it's that sometimes <laughs> crazy things happen Great in football. energy.
0: <laughs> yeah, we already have the uh, synergy picked out. Um, yeah, I I really do wonder uh, with who he will harmonize most. Um, I don't even know if that's talking Hazard, but uh, that I think should be the next player we... Uh, uh, talk about. Uh, I think his full name uh, is Torgen Janel Frances Hazard, so very nice name. <laughs> um, joined Dortmund for, in the end, 25.5 uh, million and 26 years old, just as Nico Schulzen also signed a five-year contract until 2024. Uh, he uh, played for Lens, Zulte waregem and uh, Gladbach, even though he, uh, yeah, had a contract with chelsea but i don't think he ever really played for chelsea he was just one of the million loanies there um and yeah in 147 bundesliga games he has scored 31 goals and 35 assists and last season he was uh he managed a double double if you want to call it that or just a double with a uh, 10 goals uh and 11 assists so double figures in in both categories which is uh actually a quite nice category if you ask me um I think we can also, um, maybe contemplate whether Rafael Guerrero will stay or not. And maybe in that light view it, uh, whether Hazard is a good replacement for Guerrero, because I assume he will also predominantly play on that left side. So, Konstantin, what do you make of this transfer? Um, I-, I think a lot of people are excited, but also a little bit uh, cautious. So what are your thoughts on Hazard? Are they?
1: Um I'm not sure I mean you you sell purely sick um which was you know, inevitable. uh but uh, then you you have someone who's who's uh, I mean has a, so a pure you know street soccer guy meaning that he you know pure instinct um or a lot of lot of instinct um not of course not not on the level of Aiden um, although some say he might be more talented but you know performance wise um there's just a pretty pretty big difference um but uh, i mean why not he's just us really fits into this mold of um raw talent um in the tech department i think you know you got last season you got Purisic, sancho Poon Larsson you know, period gone Sancho has evolved already you know in a, in a more mature player um yeah Purnas not so much but still um, now you add uh, hassan who is a little bit older but he still fits into that because he's also very raw in in, in some in, in some sense um so I don't know. I mean, I I guess he will be more of a substitution player than he. if if all if all, all players are fit, he will won't be in the starting eleven. That that's like as a for for, for me that's like that's like a given. Um, but in certain situations he will he will start, and in certain situations, he could also you know play, play for, for tactical reasons uh, if Farfa plays a a very aggressive 4-3-3, for instance. And he plays with Puente and worries and in, in, in the attacking midfield. Um, basically, it's a double, double number 10. Um, then who's left for the for the winger position? Sancho, Poulos, and Hassan. And then you could see Sancho and Hassan playing. Um, you know, um, that's, that's something. For tactical reasons, Hassan is also an option. Um, but if everyone is fit and they play a typical... Dortmund style four-two-three-one. then Hassar is on the bench and will come on for the last 30 minutes or so and will maybe give a knockout blow because he's fresh and um, then when he's fresh he's very agile very powerful and uh, in dribbles
0: I mean overall I think Dortmund need to uh, have a little bit more depth on the attacking side I don't know if uh, in the end, they actually will have that because there are also players that will probably still leave. Um, but, um, it's, it's nice to have a player with uh, such quality. Um, last, if you look at Hazard, um, are you worried about his inconsistency, if you want to call it that, or are you looking at his very impressive first half of the previous season and say, uh, going by Hazard's development which was quite gradually throughout uh, the the recent years where he improved season after season that we can more focus on on good Hazard than bad Hazard
2: <laughs> yeah I mean uh inconsistency is certainly the the buzzword that comes to mind when thinking of him just as you mentioned uh, his his Record in terms of uh, scoring contribution from last season or from the season that finished a few days ago. Uh, He (laughs) had more goals plus assists than anyone at Dortmund or Bayern but Lewandowski, Sancho and Reus. So he really had quite an amazing season in terms of just his scoring output, especially when you consider that apart from I think one goal and maybe a, a couple of assists that that's all from the first half of the season so he basically took half a year off and still had uh, really more than solid really good numbers uh, for an attacking player while playing at a team uh, of Borussia Mönchengladbach who aren't necessarily supremely talented uh, in terms of the, the players he would assist those goals to and let's not forget that they were coached up until a few days ago by Dieter Hecking. So he's more the kind of guy who holds a free-spirited attacker back, I would say, than someone who really lets him lose. So I think there's enough, as Konstantin said, raw talent to work with here. It's just the, the, the getting it out of him on a consistent basis to really, I mean, Dortmund, the only step up for Dortmund is to really challenge for for the title from day one. And I don't see him necessarily as the kind of player that will uh, elevate the team towards that goal. So uh, when everything's going well, uh, I think you can certainly bank on him doing his part. But you know, you shouldn't expect him to be the difference between uh, a second place finish like this season and maybe some silverware next season.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the good thing is that for the first time, um, if we look at the Gladbach squad, um, that he will have much higher competition. So he will not be in, uh, you know, insensato or whatever. And I think he uh, will be pushed a little bit more than he was at Gladbach. Although there were also, you know, there was good competition at Gladbach, but just, uh, I would, uh, say in, in Dortmund, it's just that bit higher. Um, so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see how he deals with that. Um, obviously he knows Lucien Favre from, uh, his Gladbach tenure. So maybe that helps too. But if we look at Mahmoud Daoud, uh, maybe not. <laughs> so, um, that also remains to be seen. But I think, um, he is a very savvy addition in, in the sense that uh, even if he's just a sub, um that you don't have a big drop-off. And if you just want to replace Christian Pulisic, I think it's an upgrade. Um if you talk about replacing Rafael Guerrero, I'm not sure if it is an up- upgrade, to be honest, but uh for 25 million it's certainly a very savvy purchase and uh considering that he's in a very good age right now. Um yeah, uh there is a lot of upside to Torgen Hazar. And last quickly, um do you think that Sorg haggled well for that fee? Because 25.5 million is uh, far less than I personally expected after Max Eber talked such a big game. Uh, I think the last or the penultimate time when I was on, we
2: were talking about this uh, with Hazard uh, talking on Belgian TV about the deal basically being done or him having made up his mind or whatever it was. Uh, and my point then was, well, Gladbach don't have any kind of leverage. It's, if he's hell on joining Dortmund, it's going to happen on Dortmund's terms this summer. And so it did. I think uh, Gladbach quite publicly, even if they probably never really, you know, came out pointing out the number 40 million, but that was, was, uh, that was what everyone reported as, you know, their, uh, the, the, the threshold number for them or however you want to call it. So, uh to to talk them down from that by a considerable amount let that let be like 13 million after bonus payments for whatever you know Dortmund uh, making the champions league next season or azar scoring seven league goals or so, you know easily attainable bonus payments are usually included in these kinds of deals just as a sweetener for the selling club so Let's just assume it's going to end up something like twenty-seven million or so. I mean uh you talk Gladbach down by a mid-level addition, so to say. So I mean they could sign someone else with the kind of money Gladbach expected to get in addition to what they actually got. And I mean uh that's very impressive work from Dortmund, but obviously with him with them having all the leverage, uh it, it's not too surprising to me. I, I said from the beginning, from basically the point when everybody agreed that this was uh, the club Azar wanted to go to, I think it was fairly apparent that this was going to happen, as I said, on Dortmund's terms. So it's not like I'm uh, hugely surprised by uh, how low the fee turned out to be.
0: No, Lars, you we were once again right all along. As and, as I uh, tend to be. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, otherwise you wouldn't be. Why? Otherwise, why do you no. think I came all this way? Yeah. Oh God. Jeez. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. Um. Let us not go into that. In, instead of brand, we should talk about brand. <laughs> oh God. Oh God. Uh, Didn't you want to talk about Guerrero? Hmm? <laughs> Sorry, what? <laughs> Did, you You wanted to talk about or too? I think. Yeah, but I think we can uh, discuss it after okay. uh, after the good times. <laughs> Um, because, um, first of all, I actually have to apologize to our listeners because, uh, when I asked panelists about Julian Brandt and, uh, Torgen Hazard, I made it, uh, yeah, I, I asked it in an either, either or setting. And obviously that was misleading. So I apologize because Dortmund ended up signing both. Um, last, since, uh, Constantine went first, the last time you go first now, um, 25 million release clause triggered by Dortmund for a 23-year-old and signing him to a five-year contract and someone who already has 165 Bundesliga games and 24 uh, caps for the German national team. Um, I would say that's a pretty amazing deal. What do you think?
2: Uh, I think every other club doesn't even need to try. This is going to be the best signing, at least in the Bundesliga, in terms of value for money uh, in the kind of talent the club gets. Uh, at least in the Bundesliga, I wouldn't be surprised if this ended up being the best deal in all of Europe. Uh, I mean, you have a borderline world-class player, I would say. I mean, I I really rate uh, Brandt quite highly there, but I think that's the kind of talent he is. Uh, at at the perfect age and signing him for... I, I, is this like a third of his actual value on the open market without the, the release clause, or maybe it's somewhere between a third and a half or so whatever it is. Uh, it's an amazing deal, as you said. And Yeah, we'll put him in the 60 to 70 million yeah, category. Uh, it doesn't even matter. I mean, it, we, we can all agree that it's uh, daytime robbery to get him for 25 <laughs> million. And I mean, this is, uh, I, I'm trying to think back to the last time uh, a transfer made, basically the entirety of Dortmund fans so excited. It, it might be Marco Reus in 2012. Yeah, I think that's the closest. It to might it. be Henrik Mikitaria in my case anyway, was really quite amped to, to see uh, him come to Dortmund. But somewhere along those lines, I mean, this is this has the potential to be uh, a monumental, in the NFL you would say, franchise-altering move. So, I mean, 10 out of 10, 100 out of 100 uh, Best episode
0: ever. So, so you you would say you are quite uh, appeased. <laughs> yeah, uh, more than that. <laughs> uh, Konstantin, uh, what is your assessment on on the happy scale?
1: Um, on a scale from Schurle to Goetze i I'm pretty much on um, Kagawa level.
0: Okay. I, I personally was ex- elated when Kagawa signed. I mean that was a steal also and uh, uh yeah back then then, when then you w- interpreted when YouTube it scouting correctly. wasn't a wasn't a thing then, uh, I was already well, let's really let's say on
1: on, on, a, on a scale from Rhoda to uh I'm um, pretty much Kagawa. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but uh, how does he fit into this Dortmund team, or does it, re- d- or does this not even matter? Because the question is, how does Dortmund fit into Jürgen Brandt's world after uh, hearing last?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's really, really. Who is who is marrying whom here? Yeah. Um, is, <laughs> is it really is it really Dortmund uh, picking up Brandt, or is it really Brandt picking up Dortmund? Um, you know, um, after an earth shattering season. Uh, by Pri of course. Um, no, seriously, I guess of course uh, there's not one club in the world uh, where point wouldn't fit in one way or another uh, because especially after this season where Peter Bosch, first coach, whoever um, saw something in point, uh, I was al- always hoping someone would see in him, meaning that he can play as a you know as an attacking midfielder. Um, especially after that season, um, it's really there are a lot of doors now open for Point uh, because, of course, he's still like a very feasible uh, winger. Um, like This, this like, voice horse, like um, way to break through to the goal. I mean, that was always Point's game. Um, at, early on in his career, he looked a little bit too stubborn at times. You know, he wanted just to. Um, move forward no, and no matter what's in front of him. Um, of course, he has changed a little bit, matured. Um, as you could also see when he played for the national team, where he was much more hesitant and much more thoughtful in his actions. Um, but now, also playing central and attacking midfield, um, he has pretty much evolved and or had shown um, technical flexibility, versatility, um, which is which is of course adding to its value. Um, after all, he and Kai Harvards are the two you know the two jewels um, from Leverkusen, and Harvards will go to Bayern next summer. It's um, pretty much a given, and and Brandt was was there to be taken uh, for you know, 25 million euros, which is which is nothing nothing these days for a player like Brandt. Uh, we talked about Hassar, but Hassar is one step below, in my opinion. Um, so, and as for tactical uh, options for far, I already mentioned that I, I see point more going back to the left winger position, but playing in a very, you know, Wils tyro, which means that he will move to the center a lot. Uh, basically, he will play as a second number 10 next to Royce or Mario Götze maybe in some on some occasions. Um, and then, you know, open up the lane for Nico Schulz because that would be Schulz's game. Of course, if, if like up to Diallo is playing at left back because he Schultz injured or something, um, then the situation changes. But in a perfect scenario, in a perfect starting 11, with the players Dortmund has right now, I see Brandt, you know going back to the left side, but really playing playing basically the, the role he had uh, at Leverkusen in the past couple of months or so under Peter Bosch.
0: Well, what I want to see is uh, four players on the field at the same time. Um, which is obviously Brandt, Royce, Götze, and Sancho. Um, the question is, how do you do that? Um, who plays where? Uh, I mean, I would actually appreciate for Götze to play a little bit deeper in central midfield and so on and so forth, uh, going, going forward. Um, even though he played really well as a striker or as a number 10, I, I actually think he can do even more for this team from a, from a deeper position. Uh, so Constantine. uh, Please explain to me how my wish can come uh, true.
1: I mean, as as I basically outlined, that you play a four-two. Is
0: is this a realistic scenario? Uh, of course, of course, it is.
1: It's a four-two-three-one four, with Geta on top, um, and Reyes, Reyes, number ten, prime on the left side, center on the right side. Why not? I mean, just just to be be honest, um, I mean, Paco Alcasa, for instance. Um, has to step up a little bit um, in order to re- regain his uh, spot at, at 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 center forward um, because
0: yeah, I would I would agree because otherwise, otherwise Mario
1: Morikutsu is the number one center forward. Uh, Marco uh, Marco Reus is of course like he will play always when he's fit. Sancho will play when he's fit. I think this is like there's no way around it. And Brent will play when he's fit. So uh, and it, it Gutsa uh, will also play. I mean, if if well, he should play at least because if Paco is fit, if Paco should play center forward, and then, then they have to find a role for Götze But it's like, you can't key, you can't bench Gutsa right now. He was the, the one player who really you know kept fighting and and stepped up his game during the weeks when Dortmund struggled. Um, so you know, in a yeah, but in a perfect scenario, I guess these four will play a lot together, um, covered by Delaney and, and Axel Witzel. Um, and you know, with support from Hakimi or Piszczek on the right side and, and Nico Schulz on the left side.
0: Yeah, Lars, uh, same question to you. Is, is this also sort of the, the four players you will want to see link up together or uh, how are you imagining things now with the uh, latest uh, transfer news? falling out on the field or unfolding.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, I I kind of agree with Constantine's uh, idea of Brandt being nominally the, the left winger, but, you know, really inverting quite a bit to uh, allow Schulz to use his uh, athleticism. He would basically be a wing back then, even if Dortmund are playing with the back four, just because he's pushing so far up the field and... Uh, I, I guess, uh, the, the left sided number six or so Delaney in most cases would then cover his, uh, his shadow, if you like. So that makes a lot of sense to me. And I also think, uh, against some opponents anyway, you could probably get away with Brandt as a almost straight up central midfielder or number eight, which would then allow, uh, Azar to come into the team, uh, as a, more straightforward left winger who really cuts into the middle uh, only to find themselves in shooting positions. So uh, I think the 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 beauty of it is there's uh, there are so many uh, ways they can line up, and the the most important thing actually is that whatever happens on the uh, chalkboard before the game doesn't really matter when it starts because. Royce roams around, Brandt will roam around, even Azar, to an extent. gotze doesn't stay up top all the time. I think Sancho is probably the only one who usually sticks out wide, even when he moves to the left side for the most part. But he also, obviously, his dribbles lead him into the box from time to time. So there's a very little chance for the opponent next season, and, and much less so even than this season, uh, to just, you know... Get a hang of what Dortmund are actually trying to do uh, in possession and on the attack. So uh, I don't know if we are going to be able to point out, you know, with one hundred percent certainty the the exact role someone will have any given match day. Just because they can basically uh, morph themselves into whatever they need to be, and 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 that's really a credit to the 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 putting together of this squad because there are so many versatile attacking players who just have that raw talent that Konstantin mentioned that you know it's going to be very difficult for opponents to to handle Dortmund next season so the the real question then to me is uh, whether they will do a better job of covering the the attack <clears throat> with uh, you know Witzel and Delaney or however uh, the the midfielders will shake out.
0: Yeah, this is probably the biggest problem for Dortmund is that uh, they need to have or refined re- their balance after the second half of the season. Um, if you, if you look at, uh, Dortmund's 44 goals they conceded in the Bundesliga, I think that's uh, way too much in the end and something they certainly need to work on. It's not just individual mistakes. I'm afraid there were also a couple of tactical mistakes being made. And, uh, yeah, Dortmund, uh, certainly I think. Um, have to improve, but that being said, the, the goals they conceded a lot of in swingers, a lot of crosses, a lot of set pieces. I think it's something you can certainly work on, uh, don't need too much work to fix it. Um, that being said, I'm sure the uh, sad pieces hashtag will trend next season also. Uh, <laughs> uh, we we can be sure about that, but uh, one thing I'm actually quite excited about is, um, um, in, uh, In the case of of uh, Julian Brandt, uh, Togun Hazard, and obviously also Jaden Sancho, is is just the sheer amount of of one v one ability, just the the dribbling technique all these players bring to the table, and uh, we all know that beating uh, your men one to one and you know make makes stuff way easier. We saw it quite well with Usman Dembele, how much uh, difference that can make uh, to unlock a defense, and I think. Uh, Dortmund have so many outlets next season, uh, to, yeah, create that momentum. Might get a little frustrating a bit if, if everyone starts just to, to dribble and, and, so on and so forth. But, um, I think the creativity of, of, uh, uh, Julian Brandt, uh, is, is quite breathtaking. Uh, the 14 assists speak for themselves last season, uh, plus the seven goals that he, I think, quite, uh, fairly distributed scored with either foot. So, um, yeah, he is ambidextrous, if, if you want to call it that, um, which makes it even tougher for opponents to, uh, figure that, uh, figure him out which direction he's going. So he's also a very shifty player. And, uh, just in terms of fun, uh, if we, you know, don't want to talk about balance, but I think, um, the, the synergy alone, uh, should, should work out quite well after this team uh, has a bit of, uh, time to gel together. And on, on, on that point, uh, also, I think Julian Brandt is a very good uh, ad- addition to the dressing room because uh, I think he's a very bright young man at, at 23 years old. I think he probably connects quite well with Mario Götze and Marco Reus. I mean, in the uh, little tidbit interview that he gave to the club, he, he said that uh, Marco Reus played a major role in his decision to join Dortmund. Uh, they were in exchange. Obviously, they know each other from the from the national team. So, um, yeah, this is a good omen, I would s- say, because, um, usually when, uh, players, uh, get along with Marco Royce, that usually translates to on the field success. So, um, like yeah, with I'm, Marius I'm... Wolf? <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> Do they really get along well? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, then, then strike that last part, maybe. But I said in, in general, I think there are a lot of, Good examples also. Oh, anyway. Are they
1: all in the same Fortnite addiction self-helping group? or?
0: <laughs> I don't know, but uh, Konstantin. That's uh, your forte. <laughs> all
1: right. I will, I will do some research on that. Because I know that uh, right. point is a uh, Fortnite addict. Oh, God. All right. He's, uh, he's streaming so people... his stuff sometimes. Or uh, at least one, one, once per week or so.
0: You see? You see? Oh, well. I can't blame him. I mean... Even though so you're know, you more of an Overwatch guy, right? Uh, sure. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I actually played Overwatch once on uh, some guy's Xbox, uh, but I've never played Fortnite. So yeah, I think that qualifies me to say I'm more of an Overwatch guy, if you will. Um, I mean, I, I did play F- Team Fortress every now and then, and that was fun. I guess uh, Overwatch is similar. So um, yeah, but I don't want to talk about video games too much. I just wanted to say that uh, it, it's good to have someone like uh, Julian Brandt come in because I I think he uh, adds to the character of the dressing room. Anyway, any anything else that needs to be said about Julian Brandt? That's a resounding no. So uh, I think we can move on to uh, uh, Rafael Guerrero, who might uh, sadly leave. I think after having. I would describe it as his best season yet for Dortmund, even though a couple of inconsistencies here and there and a couple of injury worries as per usual. But uh, overall, I think we can look back at his season rather positively. Um Constantine, how much of a loss would it be if he maybe decides to, to go to PSG? Or do you think uh, it would be a good move for him to, to leave Dortmund and uh, Dortmund have more money to reinvest into another player because I personally think he will cost maybe also around 25, 30 mil or so.
1: Yeah, it's a shame, but um it's like just very is a little bit of a victim of not having that one perfect perfectly suited role. Um, by the way, in most systems it's not just a Dortmund thing. Uh, because he's not uh, it it um that well equipped for a left back uh role. Um, he can play in some of the midfield, but he's not like a great uh, like a playmaker. Um, and on the left wing, there are some players who are you know a bit more um talented and athletic, athletic and also talented <laughs> in triples and one-on-one situations. Um, it's been you know, the Chadan Sanchez of the world. Um, or even Tong Hazard, like they, they have a little bit more something in the one-on-ones you know you can't even point at it but there's something uh, and Guerrero is not and uh, Guerrero doesn't have that Um
0: I, I think Guerrero lacks a little bit of agility on his first two or three steps I yeah, think but, he lacks a bit of pace
1: but that's the thing right I mean he lacks a little bit of agility for the left-wing position he likes he likes a little bit of the like the playmaking skills for a settler midfield position where you then would rather have someone who's either you know defensive-minded uh, midfielder or someone who is really a playmaker, so and he's not really a defensive uh, midfielder uh, in the realm of you know Witzel also, um, and
0: or defensive-minded for that matter.
1: Yeah, defensive-minded. Yes, yes. um, and and yeah, and he's not really a left back of the highest um, quality. So. Yeah, there's, there's just something jump, something missing missing everywhere. So, um, or, and that's why may leave. Um, it's 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 a shame, but um, what can you do? I mean, he would open he would open up a he would open up a spot. He would give uh, Dortmund or Michael Zog uh, a bit more money um, to spend um, to invest maybe in a center forward. Or maybe another center midfielder, because I mean that's that's pretty much if you look at the squad right now, uh, when you when they're all or if you see some holes in Dortmund squad, it's I think in center midfield because you got two um, you know defensive minded center midfielders, two workers, two workhorses. Um, you got the root who's I don't know what he's doing, um, and and that's it, that's it basically because and Weiger has been. Promoted, moved to the center back position. Maybe maybe he can move he can be moved back.
0: I, I don't think he would describe it as a promotion, but Yeah, yeah, yeah I know,
1: I know, I know. Uh, but it's also not a relegation, so it's just something. Um so but yeah, he, he may move back and into center midfield, but still that's like they pretty much need someone else. Um and I guess if you sell Guerrero at least, then you got some money to maybe sign one more center midfielder um because square is not the you, you don't play a four two three one with like Witzel and Guerrero in center midfield it's just not working um so you but you could you know play someone else alongside Axel Witzel someone who is a bit, a bit, a bit more attacking minded but still is you know has the character of a, of a center midfielder um,
0: I I still want to pitch Mario Götze for this role. Yeah, mean, me, more, me, to me too.
1: Of course, I mean, I've I've talked about it for months and years. I guess I mean last su- last <laughs> summer I talked about it, but that's that's the time Götze has to play in center midfield. Well, now we, we but you know a couple of minutes ago we talked about uh, Götze being the number one option at center forward. So give give the guy a break. You know, we have to decide what he should do, and I guess right now he's more valuable as a, as a center forward uh, above. Paco, because Paco is not in the shape um, to play 90 minutes all the time. Or to play 90 minutes at all, I guess, if you look closely.
0: Um, yeah, who, who who knows how he utilizes that summer break? Maybe he can come back to that level.
1: Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. It's just uh, Paco, Paco is it's interesting. I mean, you, now we digress, but whatever. Um, that's our thing. Um, it's just that Paco looks always a little bit, I don't know, a little bit spent. I know what it is. It's maybe because uh, he's, he's just always, he looks always a little bit like he's not at 100%. No, so like, uh, but he's he's really, he can score goals and, and he's, he's there, he's active. He can he can create uh, situations uh, close to the box or inside the penalty area. Uh, but he, I don't know what it is. But when you look at him, he always looks like he's a little bit tired and he's, he's certainly not 24. I think that's like, it doesn't look like he's 24.
0: Yeah, no, I I think the receding hairline does its part there. Maybe, maybe it's, yeah, um, maybe, yes,
1: yeah, that's also a thing, you know, it's like, like his hair, like he, he looks a little bit like he has, a, he had a bad day at the office and but why, why, is, why he's playing very great. But then, you know, then he, you look at him again after 70 minutes and then he's really spent um, and then like, then everything fits, you know, his, his, uh, his appearance and that he really is, uh, has, has an empty gas tank. So, um, it's just uh, it's it's interesting with Paco. Uh, maybe he can really utilize the summer break and come back at 110, and then. But but still, I don't think that Fafar is really considering uh, moving Guts into this into, into the central midfielder role. So selling Guerrero and you, you know buying or signing someone new for the central midfield would probably be the best way to go because it's like. I mean, what 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 else is there to do with, with Guerrero if you have guys like um, Brandt and uh, Hussar coming in? And now there's nothing left for him on the left side, and yeah, it's basically I think that was basically signing these two, at on in one day. It's basically was the sign that Guerrero is out the door.
0: Lars, would you agree with that assessment, or would you say uh, it's good to have him on uh, for for the sake of depth or or whatever? I mean,
2: it would certainly be good to keep him on 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 the team uh with depth in mind but you also have to have financials in mind uh and you know a lot of people are uh adding up the the three transfers versus Christian Pulisic conveniently forgetting about Alcacer and Leonardo Balerdi uh Who already cost about you know two thirds of the policy sum, and two thirds is usually the, the 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 quote that Dortmund reinvests from uh transfer fees. Uh, I mean that's not you know a rule necessarily, but a rule of thumb if you like. So uh, I mean they are definitely in the red for this summer, so there are going to be somewhat substantial exits in terms both of uh, wages, uh, looking at uh, Schürrle, Rode, for example, Ömer uh, presumably, but also in terms of transfer fees. So between uh, Guerrero, maybe Maximilian Philipp, maybe Julian Weigl, they, they need to get some money in, especially if they indeed, as some reports have uh, mentioned Recently, are still looking for uh, another central midfielder, in which case, I guess, also Mahmoud Dahoud might become available for other clubs uh, and a striker perhaps as well. So, I mean, uh, not only is the squad way too big already, uh, especially with all the low knees coming back, but also they need to uh, get some funds back in. So... Uh, with all you guys already said about Guerrero he's the the number one candidate to leave and get Dortmund a nice fee so I think that's basically a matter of when and not if
0: Yeah. On on, on that note, how disappointing was it to you to see that uh, Kirim Demirbay actually signed for Bayer Leverkusen I certainly was a bit surprised by that because I thought if he can go to Leverkusen he certainly could also go to Dortmund but what do I know? I mean, uh, seeing as I read, uh, Demir
2: Bay's Leverkusen transfer as another sign of Brandt coming to Dortmund, I wasn't too disappointed because even though I like both players, I think there's little question that Brandt is both better. He's also younger, uh, and he's less, uh, prone to injuries slash, you know, that occasional disciplinary hiccup, uh, that Demir Bay has shown over the years. So, I think if it was like choosing between those two, I would have chosen Brun 10 times out of 10. So I'm not too too worked up over it, even though obviously uh, Demirbay would really look nice in a Dortmund shirt as well. But you can't have everyone.
0: No, obviously not. So um, if you two want to uh, you know, pitch potential central midfielders, be my guest. Lars, any ideas?
2: Uh, Yeah, I think uh, they should try to uh, once again uh, go into that Real Madrid relationship they have, uh, which I mean... Florentino Perez uh, and Hans-Joachim Watzke, at least according to Watzke, are close friends. I don't know how close uh, Perez would describe that relationship because I don't think uh, Watzke speaks Spanish and I have never heard Florentino speak English, but, you know, stranger things have happened, I guess. Uh, and uh, see if Dortmund can't get Dani Ceballos, uh, perhaps on a two-year loan or something like that. Uh, I mean, he's very much out of favor at Real since Zidane has come back, but he's uh, a brilliant little playmaker. That I mean, I mostly remember him from a under-21 tournament. I'm, I'm, I believe, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, it's been a few years, and I'm really tired today, but. Uh, I mean, from, from what I've seen of him, he's the, the kind of playmaker that I think this team might, might still be looking to add. Uh, not necessarily someone who plays, you know, 45 matches from the first and the final minute, but someone who can give you something extra that they don't have right now. Uh, especially for these uh, games where, you know, playing Witzel and Delaney seems like overkill.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I very much agree. Uh Constantine, any uh central midfielders do you would like uh Dortmund to sign?
1: Uh yeah, Maxi Arnold from Boswork. There we go. All right. Yes. Uh plays usually as a left side of centre midfielder, so he could um basically replace Thomas Delaney in uh, many many matches can uh, also tends to drop back, so he could still cover uh Schulz and from there he um usually Initiates uh, Wolfsburg's build-up place and has learned a lot about you know pass timing in terms of passing and um, all this kind of stuff. So yeah, um, I would I would go for Maxi
2: Arnold. He's also a, a Dortmund fan, by the way. Yes. Or used to yeah, yeah. Be. I, I mean, I I guess after however many years as a professional football, your fan loyalties kind of go away, but. He's like, uh, I think, uh, close someone of Leipzig too. For example, they have declared themselves as, I guess, previous Dortmund fans.
1: Yeah, yeah he's he's one of the um, one of the. I mean, there are, there are a lot of the, the
0: bedsheet gang. they
1: <laughs> oh, I mean, quite frankly, when you when you look at uh, these guys, I mean, there are a lot of Dortmund fans because around you know 1997 and and so on. Uh, when they maybe started watching football, as we were uh, like then, you know, there was Dortmund and Bayern, and uh, so of course, and then like uh, all is like uh, I from from Wieser, so when you so that was not really a, a professional club at, at the highest level around. So yeah, um, but yes, that, that's also something um, I would take to consideration, maybe a little bit, but I don't think that that really matters. Um, if, and if he's a Schalke fan and um but he's he fits Stopmund. i mean that's that's professional football in 2019 so whatever um but yeah i, I think he he would be as uh, an addition and also someone who's not like coming in and demanding to pee to, to be the you know number one in locker room or something because they, they still have to think about you know who's the, the guy who's coming that's why i like the support um suggestion um it has to be someone who you know Plays his role, plays his part, but still knows that he is uh, behind Royce and and Götze, um, just in terms of like locker room authority and everything else. Because someone who's in the playmaker on center midfield, um, these guys often tend to want to have this this uh, you know the the, the skipper role basically, but but uh, the quarterback role. Um, but um, that won't, won't be the case because there are all, all established figures uh, inside the, the, the locker room. I mean, also Axel Witzel is probably uh, very established at this point, um, but someone like Arnold, why not? He can play his part and, and if he is on the bench for, uh, in a couple of matches because Delaney plays and the more, you know, if, if, if uh, wants to is a bit, a bit hesitant, um, then I don't think that uh, Arnold will, you know, go to the press and voice his his anger um that's also something you should keep in mind
0: yeah certainly i mean there, there were a couple of rumors swirling around with uh, a return of uh, Ilkay Unwan. uh i personally don't believe in 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 that but obviously if that happens that would be amazing all right then, um, then yeah then the
1: uh, arnold and sebolas and so they are out, that's that's like gone
0: Oh, 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 obviously. obviously, if, if Gnoan makes a makes a return, I also think that Dortmund, uh, uh, yeah, will will be so much better and complete. That uh, yeah, all, all they will have to fix then is maybe the uh, center back issue if they even have one. So uh, yeah, that would that would really complete this team. But I just don't see that happening as of now. Um, so we might just focus on uh, what Michael Zock has to do after his one week of vacation. Which I think uh, he will have next week, and this is uh, getting rid of players. Uh, I mean, first I foremost. mean, given his
1: spending habits, I guess he will have one week of vacation, just you know, on on uh, coke and hookers, or what? What is going to do? Because <laughs> like he's he's spending big time right now.
0: I I think Constantine, uh, you should not project from yourself to other. Right, right. I think there are other ways to spend money. I I, I don't know about that. Sorry. <laughs> we have to talk again off the air we have to talk i'm about just this. trying to offer you a new perspective all right,
1: all right. I, um, I have one perspective that's like the las vegas high roller
0: perspective <laughs> <laughs> all right um so uh speaking of las vegas high rollers uh andre Schuller, of course uh is uh, the the i don't know the signing you want to Forget about uh, it. Get rid of... yeah. But, it's like, it's, yeah, it's like marrying, but... marrying in Las Vegas.
1: You want to forget about it the next morning. Yeah, <laughs>
2: Sorry. I, um, I just wish they had signed him in Vegas so he could have stayed in Vegas. They
1: could have they could, they could terminated his contract because like it's not legally binding in, in Germany
0: or something like that. Be that as it may, it was a gamble that did not work out. So the question is, uh, how can Dortmund now cut their losses and still get an let's say healthy amount for andre schule who obviously is not a world beater but at the same time also not completely crap so um i think transfer mark ranks him at 15 million right now that would be half of what dortmund paid for him initially but at 27 years old that's maybe all they get i have a hunch that he will be um a deadline day transfer in in the Premier League and uh, probably be there with the Dortmund throughout the entire preseason. What do you think, Lars? How how will Dortmund get rid of Andre Schürrle for good? I mean, uh, if it, I mean
2: uh, as a, a deadline day transfer into the Premier League, he would have to leave uh, before the first match day of the Premier League, so that would kind of constrict Dortmund's time window with him. Uh, but you know, the the thing is that he played decently enough uh, at Fulham at, in the first half of the season when they were still somewhat competitive. But when they fell off completely, and I mean, they tumbled towards relegation uh, in a pretty much straight line, just like Huddersfield, with a few points more on the on their tally uh i mean he wasn't really much of a factor anymore i think the the coaching change from uh or to claudio ranieri didn't really help him i i think he didn't play much under scott parker either so it's not like he completely reestablished his value uh in england after spending a somewhat successful time as a super sub uh, at chelsea a few years back so i don't really see how he would be top of the list for anyone but as you said you know once you get closer to the deadline, some deals don't work out. Other clubs kind of take away the the player the, the the players you want. So, it wouldn't be shocking to me if a mid to lower level Premier League side remembered Andre Schöle late in the window and said, "You know what? Uh, here's I don't know six million euros. Let let us have him for the last uh, I think two years of his contract." I mean, he was loaned to Fulham for two seasons, but when they, uh, dropped to the championship, his, uh, the, the loan agreement voided. So, uh, they, they've shown that they are very much willing to just have him, uh, off their minds, basically, and, and have him gone and have the other club pay maybe a small loan fee and part of, if not the entirety of his considerable wages. So, uh, I mean, you said, transfer mark lists him at 15 million that's an absolute pipe dream
0: yeah i i think so too it's probably going to be between eight and ten million if that at, at best yeah um but yeah i i really do feel like desperation day in 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 the premier league will maybe fix that and, and maybe there is a club silly enough to to pay even more even though i don't i don't think he is i mean on, on a good day, Andre Schuller can, can still be worth about 20 million, but it's been a long th- time since he had a good day. So I don't know. So, Konstantin, mm. um, what do you think will happen to Shinji Kagawa, who was, uh, loaned out to, um, Bishiktas? Right now he's, uh, 29 years old. And, uh, yeah, I think he's a free agent at that. Isn't he? I'm not entirely sure.
1: Um, just yeah. one one word on Shirley. Um Just just to you know, because we, we talked about Las Vegas and back in the day, um, what you do if you you know, want to want to save some money and uh, you don't know, want to don't want to pay someone, you bury the dead body in the desert. Um, which just a hint at, at Dortmund front office. Um, no, we don't want to uh, have uh, Schüller buried. Of course, we want him. We want him in China. Um, Speaking of Kagawa, um, I I think he will move from Besiktas to Fenerbahce, so he will stay in town, Um, because Fenerbahce has um, expressed their interest in signing Shinji Kagawa, so maybe he will stay in Istanbul and uh, enjoy the life of a Japanese in Turkey, Um, which sounds like a very sad song for a Friday evening Um, at the karaoke bar, of course. Um, I
0: don't know, not, not, not to me, to be honest, but uh, every prejudice to them, to their own, I guess.
1: Yeah, of course, it's the new prejudice. Uh, for me, it's, it, it sounds like a little bit like a sad song because I don't know what, what Kagawa is doing out there. Um, maybe he should go somewhere else. Um, but on the other hand, why not? Um, I mean, he's at the tail end of his, let's say, uh, competitive career. Um, and before he goes back to Japan, maybe for one, two, three years to just you know um, score some goals and kiss some babies, um, he can can still um, you know do something in Europe. And then I think like the Tur- Turkish Super League uh, or something like that is basically the place to be. Or maybe I don't know league or or well Italy, but it it doesn't really matter. I
0: mean, I actually I actually would say. Um if I were some mid-table team in the Premier League, I would actually look at Shinji Kagawa. He always had the dream to play in the Premier League for Manchester United. Obviously didn't really work out, but um I think there are not too many that great number 10s out there and if you're looking for a playmaker, obviously I'm not a Premier League expert so I don't know which club would be yeah, well, well, a, a mid-table
1: think... team in the Premier League. So, so you mean uh, come back at Manchester United? <laughs>
0: No, I, th- I think uh, maybe maybe a couple of ranks to the be- below them. Ah, okay, to be honest,
1: okay. But <laughs> I'm, I, I'm confused these days what Manchester United really is. That's
0: well, well, yeah, aren't we are. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's
1: like they 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 are as well. So you see him at Southampton or something?
0: Yeah, maybe. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, what, what, what are your thoughts, Lars? I I don't really want to see him uh, rot away. Is a harsh term, but uh, I I think he can do better than. Uh, uh, the Turkish Superliga. Uh,
2: his big remaining dream actually is playing in Spain. And, you know, the, there, there were some reports in Germany that the problem in the winter window was that they have somewhat strict uh, foreigner laws uh, in terms of how many players you can register for uh, your team in La Liga. So, uh, obviously, in the winter, not a lot of movement in terms of outgoing. So, uh, there weren't any clubs that he would consider that had a spot open that is bound to change, I guess, in the summer. So, if if there were some level of interest from a decent uh, La Liga side I mean doesn't have to be uh, somewhere close to the top I think someone like uh, Villarreal for example have been a decent side even though they struggled mightily this season Um I think somewhere like that might make sense for him if if there's the opportunity but to be honest uh, he's not really done anything to polish up his value in Turkey by way of basically not playing much uh, I mean I think we we all noticed uh, his incredible start I think he scored like four goals in his first three games or so but uh, he's also not really started most of his uh, appearances for uh, a somewhat middling team in a definitely middling uh, league so it's not like they are going to run down his door, trying to sign him up to a cheap deal. So this might be another instance where Dortmund just try to cut their losses at, as best they can. And that might actually be him, uh, signing an agreement to terminate his contract entirely. So he can move as a free agent and the, the, uh, the club where he moves doesn't have to pay a transfer fee for him.
0: All right. Then next on the list is Sebastian Rode, uh, Really sad for him that uh, he picks up that knee injury in the, I think, return leg in 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 London away to Chelsea, because he really was having a blast uh, at at Frankfurt. I would still assume that Frankfurt are interested to to sign him now, despite what is likely to be a very long uh, injury yet again for Sebastian Rode. Um, a couple of. Uh, yeah, uh, people actually, you know, suggest it might be a career ending thing, but uh, yeah, I I I don't know. I I actually see him uh, sign a permanent deal for Frankfurt and Dortmund not getting a big fee for for him also so uh yeah. Any one of you agree or disagree with that? Does it matter? I mean, I don't know. it's I mean-
2: Sebastian Rode. That knee
1: injury was like the most Rota thing that could have happened. Um, but yeah, I guess I guess Frankfurt already like basically hinted at them still interested in signing Rota for you know a coffee, a coffee and a half or something. I mean it's like it's <laughs> uh, not like uh, Dortmund will get much money out of out of these kind of of sellings. It's just same with Kagawa maybe maybe, uh, you know a little bit something something or so or maybe um, it's just a good way to get Frankfurt talking or get them at at the negotiation table talking about someone else maybe some you know tall French guy Evan and Dika. (laughs) yes Uh, yeah Uh, exactly that's the one I was thinking about I guess Or the other it's tall French
0: guy. Kind of waiting for us to come up with another tall yeah, French they're, they're, guy. I, I, there are only my, two at Frankfurt. Sorry. My,
2: bra- my brain is churning right now, but I, I really can't think of another clever answer. So it's it's Sebastien Allaire, of course. Yes. Yes. So, so yeah, Maybe we should no nice
1: shut the door open. Though, you, know? you 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 have to talk to Frankfurt. Then they they will be everything will be very you know. Um, just, there's, there's nothing really going on. They, they, they will just meet somewhere at the cheap hotel, somewhere between Frankfurt and Dortmund. I don't know in somewhere, you know, there's nothing between, but you know, uh, there was meet somewhere. The
2: entirety of the Rhineland, but go on.
1: Yeah, but there's, there's, there's no major city, <laughs> which we, I don't know. They will meet in Bonn actually, uh, in, um, Frank, uh, in, in Las, uh, Hood. Um, so they they will meet there at the cheap hotel. Uh, we'll talk about Roja, you know, and then nothing's
2: we, really going. We right. don't have hotels. Nobody wants to come here.
1: Uh, I, I I was there. I wasn't born, and I um, you know I was there. And there were there are hotels, actually expensive ones, of course. Um, but yes, they will meet there, and it will be our of you know. Nothing.
0: It's not Vegas, but you know, you it's can, not it's can, not Vegas, but use.
1: it's fun, you know. It's basically just just a smaller version of Vegas with uh, less less, uh, trucks, less trucks, but, uh, more dead bodies. Um, but, uh, actually when I was, I, I didn't want to talk about my youth. Uh, I wanted to talk about, you know, the meeting that was going, going down, uh, when you, and then, you know, they bring up Rhoda and maybe Rhoda is, you know, already, already in, in the trunk of, uh, Sork's car. Um, and yeah, and then they will bring up Halea and um yeah, everything will, you know, it will be a mess, but after all, um Freddie Bovic will agree to let Alea go. Um you know, at gunpoint of course.
0: Of course. <laughs> I think you've you've watched too many mob movies recently. I, I didn't watch any
1: TV. I'm, I'm not a Game of Thrones guy, by the way. I mean, I watched the last episode just to, you know, to be able to talk to uh, to any other human being on this planet for the entirety of the week. Um, that's That was the only episode of Game of Thrones I've ever watched. And, and I didn't even watch the entire episode, by the way. Just skip through it. Because I wanted to know what you know pop culture thing is going on, uh, other than that, no, I don't really know. I, I guess that's how it works, especially in Bonn. You know, that's why Lars is living there, because it's kind of a kind of a tough ground there, and you know you have to have a tough soul.
0: Well, I certainly have lost Constantine's uh, train of thought, to be honest. Um, Me too. <laughs> yeah, not not surprising. So uh, I I think. Uh, when when we talk about other players that, that need to go, um, I think Jeremy Toljan, Felix Paslak, and Janis Brunic are um, very likely uh, to just leave on a, on a free or for a minimum ne- negligible fee, so I don't want to go into detail um, too much. But there's one thing that actually irks me still quite a bit, and that is Mario Götze not having uh, extended his uh, contract, which runs out in, in 2020, Um Last is that something I have to worry about? Is his uh, piece in the Players' Tribune, uh, which is called Danke, uh, any hint of, of him leaving? Or uh, should I just sit back and relax and uh, hope that Mario Götze will put pen to paper uh, quite soon?
2: I fully expect him to do that, but you know, I, I can't predict the future, even though I'm so often right about it. Um, I mean, it, to me, it would be very surprising to le- see him uh, leave for a second time. I mean, he's he's been welcomed, not exactly with open arms, but he, he's won back, if not the love, then certainly the appreciation of a vast majority of Dortmund fans. And I think he's too mature now and too... Uh, deeply involved with the club again for him to make what I would consider a mistake in leaving again. So I can't see him uh, do that really. So it might just be a numbers game in terms of uh, Dortmund wanting him to sign uh, a contract with a lower base uh, value uh, just so it looks better on the books. And also because he's really not been able to repay uh, the, the kind of investment they made in him three years ago, just because of, uh, his illness and, and, you know, not being informed for quite a while. I mean, even though I love Mario Goetze and think he's a world class player to this day, uh, he, in reality, he's only been really good for Dortmund again outside of a few games here and there, you know, for the last, I don't know, eight or nine months. So it's not like, uh, he's been, uh, you know, a regular great contributor for this club for the entirety of his contract. So it's it's only natural that they would approach him with the idea of lowering his uh, base salary uh, to to even out the books a bit.
0: Yeah, there's there, there's something I I thought about today, and I actually have not looked up any any numbers or, or so. So I. That's just a a very wild left field speculation of of mine, but I've read a couple of rumors that Dortmund uh, are uh, negotiating yet another uh, renewal with Puma, and that means obviously more uh, money in the bank, and so maybe with that extension with with Puma, maybe uh, Mario Götze will want to switch to Puma as well if he decides to stay on at Dortmund maybe at the same moment to uh, gauge a couple more millions that way obviously Marco Reus is one of the biggest Puma franchise or uh, whatever you want to call it to brand ambassadors, players um, sponsors, whatever um, but you, you, you catch my drift and I, I think it would make sense for Mario Gata to switch from Nike to, to Puma at the same instance if he wants to make a couple extra mil because um, Puma are still I think looking to Get a couple of, uh, yeah, big names and Mario Götze. Even though, as you just said last, that he hasn't performed at the highest level consistently over the the past few years, in, in terms of marketing and, and branding, Mario Götze is a valuable asset that uh, Puma could could purchase. So maybe this is something uh, for him to consider if Dortmund maybe not pay the salary demands. Then uh, Puma could maybe fill that up. But that's just wild speculation on, on my part. I have no idea uh, if there's any merit to it at all. I'm just throwing this out there and how, uh, you know, financials could materialize for Mario Götze. Anyway, I, I think this is a very good moment also to uh, leave this. We have still plenty of things to discuss. In the coming weeks, we have the Yellow World Pod Season Awards coming up. Um, I don't know if we do that next week or the week after. Uh, I'll have to see, because of uh, a couple of time constraints I have. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't want to do it alone, obviously. So this needs to be coordinated, nice and well. I want uh, Mr. Konstantin Eckner back in, in case he will survive his next trip to either Las Vegas or Bonn. So <laughs>
1: I, will, I will do a double trip to both. Obviously. I
0: like
1: I like exactly. taking risks.
0: Lars and Matthias need to be around as well. So um, If Constantine comes to Bonn, who knows if I'm going to be around? We'll There's a confl- conflict any of more. interest. You, you see how hard it is for me to plan this, so um, we'll, we'll see. But uh, anyway, um, Constantine, once again, thank you for coming on. All the way from Las Bonos.
1: <laughs> oh, jeez. I've done, so- yeah, I've um, done something horribly wrong.
0: Yeah, you have, you have. Um, anyway, so um, if if you're not too preoccupied with uh, cocaine and hookers, how can people get in touch with you?
1: Um, on Twitter at cc underscore eck and All
0: right, that's wonderful. And uh, Lars, if you're not preoccupied with your perfectly normal life, uh, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, people can send me cocaine and hookers uh, via Twitter <laughs> at Lars Pollmann. <laughs> All right. Do you have a 3D printer, or how does that work? I'm, I, uh, PayPal, Venmo. Uh, I'm, I'm open for anything. Does Venmo
2: work in Germany? I'm not sure. He, All right. <laughs> but but you heard know,
1: him. He's open for everything. Correct.
2: Maybe I'm. Okay. J- maybe I have to relocate uh, for cocaine and hookers, which is something normal people do.
1: Sure. You 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 need like a like a sidekick.
0: Goodbye. All right. <laughs> can find me at Stefan You can get in touch with all of us at Yellow Wall Pod. And if you want to contribute financially for said cocaine and hookers, go to Patreon.com/slash The Yellow Wall. And if you want to subscribe to that show, go on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And please make sure to leave a nice rating for us so we can reach broader audiences and uh, once again to everyone out there thank you for listening to Lars and constantine thank you for coming on with me to discuss uh, at length the latest transfers and the last game of the season that's it for this week until next time thank you and goodbye